Hey y'all, welcome back to New Slang. I'm music journalist Thomas Mooney, and we're kicking off the week being joined by singer-songwriter Zach Bryan. I actually just got off the phone with Zach this afternoon, and well, I figured there's nothing quite like the present, so let's just go ahead and get this episode out now. I feel like this conversation with Zach was a really organic one, and I was pleasantly surprised with Zach's perspective and thoughts. Obviously, he's humble beyond belief, which I'm sure you can pick up on that earnestness in his lyrics and in his music, but really, it's still one of those things you just never know until you talk with someone. On this one, we talk about songs and songwriting, those early roots, and how those early raw recordings were both kind of like a necessity at the time, but it also helped shape and form and cultivate his sound, and then eventually formed and shaped that fan base. We talk about imposter syndrome, which is a real thing, like, which, I mean, just put yourself in Zach's shoes for one second. You're playing songs that are in the middle of the night on someone's back porch, you know, on a park bench somewhere. And then pretty soon after that, you know, you have this following, this like demand for yourself. And then, of course, fast forward just a little bit further and you're playing like the Grand Ole Opry and you're cutting songs in Studio A with Dave Cobb. I mean, it's kind of an amazing thing, right? I think saying it's surreal would be an understatement. And then we close out by talking a little bit about what's coming in the future. We talk about potential live shows and evolving as a songwriter, and of course, what's coming around the corner on the album front. We'll get to all of that here in about two seconds, but first, today's presenting partner is our pals over at Desert Door Texas Sultal. If you've been listening to New Slang for really any amount of time, you'll know that Desert Door is one of my all-time favorite premium, high-quality spirits. If you haven't or aren't sure what exactly a Sotol is, I'm going to let you in on a little secret that's going to up the game on your liquor cabinet. For starters, the best reference point that I can point you to is to think about a tequila or a mezcal. Do you feel that western desert, that Texas ruggedness? Okay, Sotol is like that but a little bit more refined, smooth, and fragrant. It intrigues the palate and offers these hints of vanilla and citrus. There's an earthiness that often sends me right back to my Trans-Pecos and Far West Texas roots. There's plenty to love about Desert Door. For me, it all starts right there. A close second is just how versatile Desert Door really is. You can go full highbrow, and experiment with concocting a variety of cocktails that call for muddling fresh fruit, sprigs of thyme, sticks of cinnamon. It's perfect for that world. If you're a little bit more down home, if you've just rolled up the sleeves of your denim wrangler button up, it's perfect for that as well. If you're just desiring something that's short and sweet, it hits the mark every time. Desert Door is genuine and authentically West Texan. It's inherently West Texan. They harvest soto plants out in the wild and are knowledgeable conservationists at heart. That's obviously something incredibly important to me. They shine a light on what makes West Texas special and unique and worth preserving and keeping it safe from exploitation. Right now, you can find Desert Door all over Texas, Colorado, Tennessee, and there's budding numbers in places like New Mexico, Arizona, California, and Georgia. Best thing you can do is to check out DesertDoor.com to find where Desert Door is locally. Again, that's DesertDoor.com. If this is your first time listening to New Slang, 
Be sure to hit that subscribe button. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and virtually anywhere you can listen to podcasts. And of course, one of those five-star reviews, they go a long way. So leave one of those too. Make a pit stop on over at the merch store. That would be newslangpodcast.bigcartel.com. Over there, we have plenty of t-shirts, coffee mugs, shot glasses, stickers, and so on. If you're wanting even more new slang stuff, a great way to support this podcast, my 90s country podcast, The Neon Eon, and journalism in general is signing up for my Patreon. You can sign up for monthly merch packs, ad-free episodes, or be a part of our postcard club for as little as $3 a month. And of course, I just mentioned The Neon Eon. That is my 90s country podcast. It's interviews and conversations with and about songwriters, songs, artists, albums, and trends of the era. And of course, I am a print journalist by trade. The latest thing I wrote is an interview with Charlie Marie over on Holler. Go check it out. Super easy URL. It's holler.country. And like always, all the links that I just mentioned, they will be in the show notes. Which, yeah, let's just get on into it. Here is Zach Bryan. Born, yeah, born ready. Let's let's get it. Awesome. Well, you know, I want to start off with, you know, you're from the the land of Turnpike and Fulbright and all these Red Dirt singers. Um, obviously, like you can tell that that is, you know, an integral part of your your songwriting background. Um, at what point did you did you start like discovering all these guys that were all kind of like you know in your backyard and in the neighborhood, as far as uh you know, was there, was that pretty early on or were you like a lot of other kids as far as like listening to a lot of top 40 along the way? Oh no. Like me and my friends followed Turnpike religiously while I was a kid, like 14 to 18. We were always just getting rowdy going down the river in Tahlequah where they're from. And we were just, we were so like indebted to them because they were all we listened to for so long. And we would go to every single concert they had. I've been to, I've been to like five Turnpike concerts, but only made it into like one of them because everything got so rowdy beforehand that we never made it in. But, uh, Turnpike, Turnpike's always been this, just all we listen to really. So besides them though, I kind of always had like my buddies and everything. We've always just kind of known the local musicians and things like that. And, uh, it's been, it's been really cool to come from such a, such a place with songwriters, like even the old ones, Woody Guthrie and stuff. It's just amazing. Yeah. I always wonder like how, you know, ingrained or aware a songwriter is of like their, the local talent, because obviously it's so easy to, you know, just pay attention to what's on top 40 or MTV or VH1. And I'm sure like, like anyone, you know, there is, there's an aspect of that that you grew up listening to, but it's always really, really cool to, when you realize, Hey, you know what? There's that one guy who is doing this. And maybe that gives me a little bit of allowance to, try it out myself and it's so it's so funny because i don't i don't deserve to be where i'm at kind of with the notoriety and like how much attention i get with my music compared to the guys out here in oklahoma who are just at these like rundown bars you know what i mean and that's it's so crazy to me how talented people are just next door to you and that's why i think honestly it's all just like either a god thing or a lot of luck that gets people to where they're like on a bigger stage you know I, i really don't believe that any artist is better than any other artist. I think it's all about like the people you meet and the places you go, you know? Yeah. That's, that's one of those things right there. The, 
I think it, all, every everyone has a little bit of talent, like who, whoever kind of makes it, um, whoever kind of gets any kind of notoriety, there has to be at least a little ounce of talent in there. And, you know, if, if someone says like so-and-so is untalented, you know, they're full of shit, but um, it's all that exactly, luck. Exactly, a bunch of haters, man. Yeah, it's like the it, 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 people don't want to uh, talk about how luck is involved or like just right timing or, you know, just meeting that right person who shares something or retweet something. Oh, exactly. And that's, yeah, that's why people, that's why people just don't like me when I talk because I'll honestly blame it all on just like on serendipity, you know, like I don't, I know that's when people like give my music critiques and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I know I'm, I'm not against you, how you feel about my music. I don't like it that much either, but it's all about <laughs> just kind of, it's all about kind of just like legitimately who shares it, who talks about it, who loves it, who who's where, when they're there, you know, it's just, all about the luck and that's all I want to talk about because it's just so true. Right. Well, you know, like early on for you, you know, I guess like you, you really kind of broke I, the first time I saw you was right before you released your first record and it was just, you know, you playing in a backyard on Twitter and you know, it, it was one of those things you, you see it and the next time it pops up on your f- timeline, there's like a thousand more retweets or something. You know? and you're, like, <laughs> you're just annoyed with it at that well, point. You're like, dude. What in for me? Like, I'm like, okay, like, what is it that that's making uh, people tick about this? Like, what is it? Like, what is it? And I, I'm yeah, because it's know. just some it's just some kid with a guitar. Same here. I didn't understand it either when it first started. I was just some guy, some white kid, freaking vanilla boy playing guitar on a bench somewhere and all these people were so intrigued by it. And I was so confused, you know? Yeah. I, I, I that's what I, I'm mainly like interested in is how you've thought about this entire rise, because it very much is not necessarily that you didn't work for it or anything. Like there's plenty of work involved. There's plenty of all of those things that, uh, that happen that, that are necessary. All that's part of that. But you know, like this thing where, where it just happens where, you know, you tapped into something that all these kids were looking for. They didn't necessarily know they were looking for it, but I, I think it's in the same way that like Co Wetzel became like really, really big in a different way, but also like these kids were like, Oh shit, that's something that I didn't know yeah. I needed. Yeah, exactly. 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 And that's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. I think it's just kind of the, the melodies and the the hometown feeling of of the tunes that I sing that people are like, oh damn, I do feel that, you know. And I think a lot of it is, uh, I think a lot of it is my lyrics. I feel like I've worked really hard to make my lyrics different than other artists. Like I try really hard to like write actual words that people don't expect in songs, you know. And I feel like a lot of songs are like mm-hmm. you kind of expect the next line to be the next line, you know. So when I write, I, I try uh, I try to make it completely relatable and completely simple, but also to where like you don't expect what word is going to come next. Right. There's this really interesting thing that I've talked with a couple of people when it comes to you, where it's very plain spoken in a lot of ways and a lot of respects as far as the storytelling goes. But then there's like this weird, like almost Shakespearean thing sometimes where you can tell like you've come across a word that you're like, I'm going to get this fucking word in a song <laughs> and try and get a rhyme out of here. And like, yeah. you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes it's like a little force, but like, you know, it's interesting all the same as far as like how you kind of got it in there. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I was talking with some with some old boys last night, and I was saying like, man, as a songwriter, you never know what's gonna tick, what isn't. You're just writing what you feel like you want to write, and then that's what's weird about it too. It's it doesn't really make any sense to me either how some people relate to some songs, some people don't relate to others, and it's just it's such a cool like little jigsaw puzzle that I work with every time I write a song. Yeah, well, you know, take me to kind of like your writing process. Obviously you're in the Navy. You've got a lot of other stuff going on right now. What, what's it like? Do you have to like carve out time to write or are you one of those guys who, you know, just ideas you're in that like stage of maybe like what my dad would call like being full of piss and vinegar. So like everything's interesting and everything you're going gunko. What, what's the, what's the, the songwriting process like though? Has it been, have you been able to slow down, I guess, to uh, carve out? Not really. I'm a, I'm like I'm just kind of an observer, you know. Like everywhere I'm at, I'm just observing what's around me. Not that's not pretentious either. I don't think I'm any different than anyone else. But like, like, like for instance, yesterday I was I was, uh, I was on a porch with with some family, and uh, I, I played a show in Houston or this weekend actually, not not yesterday. But I was on some porch with some family, and I thought of I thought of like three words that went together really well. So I got my guitar out and I just wrote like half a song right there. And then later, probably a week from now, I'll go back to that and write the rest of it. And it's, that's, it's as simple as that. I'll, I'm like, I kind of, my, all my friends think I'm like a OCD about it. Like I have kind of like a sickness where I just like, I'm always writing something down. Like if it's like one line here, one line there, but it's all about the words to me. Like a lot of musicians, sometimes they'll tell me that they get like melodies and stuff stuck in their head. But for me, it's like three words that go together or a line that goes together. And then later I'll revisit it. And then it, it turns out to be a song. And it's such like, there's thousands and thousands of videos on my phone of just me in the in my truck saying like <laughs> five words or singing five words it's so strange how it works yeah well that's the thing right there like you know you mentioned all the a lot of other songwriters they get that melody stuck in they get that whatever that is the melody the just the rhythm or something like that sometimes those though like the words you're talking like those three four five words those uh phrases that can create a rhythm in itself that kind of just and that's, along. that's me like everyone yeah everyone asks a lot guitar or lyrics first and i'm like lyrics always because i i like I, i'm just a word guy so like if i find five words that make me feel something i'll put a some sort of melody or rhythm to it that makes it make sense and a lot of people give me shit because it's like three or four chords but honestly it's all i'll ever need it's all i'll ever do you know yeah well i mean what is like you know the willie nelson thing right three chords in the truth Exactly. 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 Um, and I've been, yeah, yeah, I've been trying my best to get, I honestly, all year I've been, I disappeared for a while. I got a lot of, I got a lot of opportunities to just like work on my guitar playing a lot. I mean, I had like a teacher teach me and everything. So it was really fun to like explore that, explore like that part of me where I can, cause it helps with the words too. If you know the guitar a lot better, you can work around it and put some better words to it as well. Right. Well, you know, that's, that's interesting because, you know, as you said right there, the the more you know your your instrument, the more you're able to figure out these different rhythms, these more diverse rhythms, and where you're not just kind of feeling like you're, you know, recycling uh, what you're already building exactly. or something. Um, so it, this all ties back to like kind of your rise and as far as like what what's been going on for you. Um, I think like one of these interesting things specifically about your career so far is that for a lot of songwriters, you know, we don't really see those first songs. We've not been like been 
privy to to hear the first ten songs that you know some prolific songwriter wrote. Really, like it really never works out. That yeah, way. and it feels like with you, like we're really start seeing it as, as early on as as possible. And maybe that's why like you've you've drawn some criticism from fo- some folks where it's like, well, these are you know these are like the first batch. We're, we're seeing you from like the inception of of the songwriter to to now and. I don't know, maybe give a little time to, to let those other things, you know, become more refined or whatever the case as you, you know, learn that guitar a little bit more, as you just obviously write more songs. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I get like my friends, my friends don't like me a lot sometimes because all I do is sit in a chair and write music and play guitar. And I think that's what I, I think that's the edge I have on a lot of people is like a lot of like the the critics and everything that came along in the beginning that were like, Oh, this kid doesn't deserve it. You know, like he just kind of blew up overnight. They didn't see the the first, uh, freaking, uh, eight years of me sitting there for seven, eight hours in front of my computer on SoundCloud, you know, like throwing songs at the wind, getting like two or three late likes and playing it. So like the first, the first, uh, money I ever made from music, I made 60 bucks from a sandwich shop and I played for 12 hours and it was all originals. And it was like, I don't know, seven years ago, you know, Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was just, it, I spent so much time trying to learn how to write a song opposed to like learn how to play guitar. I learned how to write while other people were learning how to make a song sound good, like, uh, with, with music, you know? And I think that's sometimes when I hear something, people send me songs all the time. When I hear them, I'm like, this person's really killing it with the guitar and the, the band behind them and everything. But the words are kind of like, you know, seven, eight, like just kind of subpar. And I think, and I might or no better, by the way, I'm not trying to sound arrogant or anything, but that's, we were talking earlier about like the, the kids who are trying to scratch the surface of like, whatever it is that happened to me. I think that was it. I think that's what happened. I just spent a lot more time writing. Yeah. What, I, another part like that, that I think is, has been key is been the, you stay into um, the singer songwriter being the, you know, like that first record, I guess like really the first two records, it's like you, you developed a sound because like almost out of necessity, right? Because you guys cut it yourself. You didn't go into a studio. You didn't hire out a band. It's just you and your friends. And that's been, that's, I guess like become a part of the, the process where sometimes I feel like other songwriters, it's like, they think, Oh, I got to get the band. I got to get like, t- uh, time to cut a record i need to like start saving money to to get all that stuff and that's fine to do all and that. it's so yeah it but, is it is but it's so strange to me because to me it's just so sorry for interrupting but it's just like it's music it's how you feel it's how you it's how you want your music to feel and sound and like i feel the same way and people are so like tedious and they're so like slow to, and obviously i've learned how to slow down a little bit too because i know that's what it takes to produce a good record i learned that along the way but when I first started, I just looked at other people and I was like, you guys take so long to just record one song. And I've got like 50 sitting here that I just want to show the world. Like, I don't care really how it sounds. I've learned throughout the day, like years, like that's also important. But at the beginning, man, I didn't care. I just wanted the world to hear some melodies, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, like that's what I'm, that's exactly one of the points I have right there is that sometimes it can feel like others put the cart before the horse and like, you know, they're worrying more about all the other stuff versus like just, hey, do you got some songs? Do you have like those ready? And like you don't necessarily have to 
make it, you know, a wall of sound <laughs> country record, right? Uh, you can just do it exactly. and you can have, you know, some buddies play uh, little accent pieces here and there. And for some reason that has like resonated more with people than, you know, getting the, the five piece band together. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's so fun for me too, because I've gotten to see both sides. Like I've gotten to record with some of the best musicians in the world and I've gotten to record with my friends in a barn and both places I felt the same, you know, like both places, like I had the meat and potatoes, I had the song. So it didn't matter where I was at singing it, you know. This episode of New Slang is brought to you by the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. Blue Light has long been the heart and soul of the Lubbock singer-songwriter scene and has been a home away from home for some of Texas, Americana, country, and rock and roll's finest over the years. Talk with 99.9% of the songwriters who have come out of Lubbock and the panhandle at large over the past 20 years, and they'll point to just how integral and necessary the Blue Light is. With live music and touring slowly but surely coming back, spots like the Blue Light are getting back to their usual ways as well. That means music every night of the week. Do you want to see that schedule? Well, I've got a few options for you. One, go to their socials and give them a follow. That is at Blue Light Live on Twitter, at The Blue Light Live on Instagram, and of course, by just searching The Blue Light Live on Facebook. They're consistently posting that week's lineup of shows, as well as those heavy hitters that ought to be on your calendar that are coming up on the horizon. Two, check out bluelightlubbock.com as well. There they have the full schedule, the cover charges, time, any of those specials that may be happening. While there, go check out their merch page. They have a wide range of hats, koozies, hoodies, sweaters, beanies, jackets, and so much more. You can, of course, get all of your merch needs when you go see your favorite band take the stage at Blue Light. Just ask the bartender and they will get you all set. Speaking of which, that's another great way of seeing who's playing there. Just go to the Blue Light. It's at 1806 Buddy Holly Avenue here in Lubbock, Texas. And of course, again, that is bluelightlubbock.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes too. Maybe I'll see you there. Okay, let's get back to the show. Right. Has there been any like ideas on, you know, recutting any of these songs or are you, are you like comfortable enough, like letting them live as like this, just like a lot of these songs just being the, the acoustic records. Honestly, honestly, I've thought a lot about that because the second record I cut was in the barn and a lot of the songs I re-listened to and I'm like, wow, these actually sound pretty bad, you know? And I thought about like, uh, recutting those, but just like we did and just calling it like the frost that road or frost that barn recordings or whatever. But also the first record, the one that I, one that kind of blew up um that record terrifies me because i never know if i were to recut any of those songs if there would be a mob outside my door trying to kill me because those are the, like those are the cult classic i don't know like what people started following me for so i i do want to recut those songs like amazon gave me a chance they gave me um they gave me a little bit of money to to cut a single and I thought a long time about it, like what song I would pick. And it would probably be off the end, obviously. And I think it would be so fun, like after I've refined myself two and a half years, you know, to go back and revisit like those songs with a little bit of experience, a little bit of salt under my breath, you know? Right. Yeah. I've 
that's something interesting because, and, and you're right about like the mob <laughs> because like, yeah. you know, it's this strange thing where they're your songs, you released them. Um, all of a sudden though, like if you, you got that cult following, those songs become their songs, you know, like, and that's like, that's, yeah. there's a, some beauty of, about that as far as like, you know, that's the, uh, you know, that one person who like, uh, songs come on the radio every two songs and they go, Oh man, that's my song right there. And it's like, well, how many songs do you have? Oh, <laughs> how many yeah. are your songs? <laughs> but there's like that ownership aspect of it, I guess. But the way I would challenge that mob, those listeners is hypothetically, had we done it the other way around where I did have that full band sound. And then I said, Hey guys, I'm going to cut you guys an acoustic record. You guys would all, all people be would have loved that. it. So yeah, just be open. Very true. Wow. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i, I hope point. people understand that right there um and people are just hard people are hard to deal with i've learned that too um not like in a in a in a malicious way either it's just everyone wants something different from an artist and so it's it's quite it's quite impossible to have a following and and like meet everyone's needs and it just stinks because i'm such like a I, i'm just a pleaser you know like i like pleasing people i like people feeling loved and appreciated and cared about even my even my fault like even my followers you know like that's how I want, but I've learned now that the following is kind of so big that there's two halves of it and I can't feed both crowds, you know? Right. Yeah. You mentioned something a minute ago about, you know, you've got all these songs, you, you know, um, obviously everything that's on the, the record so far, but you know, you got all these YouTube videos of just songs as well that feel like they're, you kind of, I don't know if this is necessarily the case or not, but it feels like this where you're kind of just, Hey, here's an, uh, here's a YouTube video of a song I just finished this week. Is that very much, has that been the process as far as uh, what you've been releasing? That's not on a record so far. Oh yeah. See, like, um, like I was saying earlier, my friends hate me because I'm always literally just sitting on a chair writing music. It's all I do ever. So I'm also really into like videography and photography and stuff. So that stuff is just for me. I love doing that stuff. I love like cutting songs and making videos for them. And uh, it's my favorite thing in the world. And, I, I, I write like probably 12, 13 songs a week and I'll, I'll just pick one, honestly, like some, like when I get bored, when I, when I'm like not working as much or I like, I kind of have to, I, I have to create or die, you know, not even in a pretentious way. Again, I just like, if I'm not like making something, I always feel like my day is wasted. So that's just YouTube is, I made a big deal with the label too. I just, I wanted the YouTube to be mine because I built it. I felt like it was like the first thing in my life that I felt like I had worked really hard at, built it up and it was mine, you know? So right. that's why I stay on YouTube. Cause I just, I love the interactions on there and the people who follow me on there. Like I started a podcast at one point cause I just like loved making those videos and like relating to people. And, uh, even the, like the YouTubers on there, right? Like the, the people who comment on the videos right now, when I post another video, they're always like, Oh man, it's like kind of cool for me. Cause sometimes people are like, I literally sat up for two days waiting for a Zach Bryan video this weekend. And it didn't come, you know, <laughs> and it just feels awesome. Like people will comment stuff like that. And I'm like, how amazing is it that these people like long for my music enough to where they're willing to like wait up all weekend just for me, just to see like if I maybe post a video or not when I haven't said anything about it, you know, cause I'll, I'll post these videos at like three in the morning on Sunday night, you know? So people are always like, waiting for it and they'll be like mad at me because like it didn't upload it's just so funny to me and so like it's such a blessing that people care enough yeah well that's another thing right there is like you've released music in very untraditional ways 
ways that like, you know, I think we've all gotten comfortable in this. Oh, you're going to cut a record. You're going to release four singles and you're going to put those singles out like every six weeks. And then you're going to put the record out. And you know, you, as far as the YouTube goes, it is that like spontaneousness right there. But then even like the way you've cut or you've released these records, it's not like you've had like that lead single on it released the week before or anything like that. Even it's just like a lot of times it's like, <clears throat> Hey guys, here's a record I, I have here. And so I think that's something yeah. right there that people love too, as far as that, like, it's like catching, I don't know, like, like, or maybe it feels like where they're thinking, um, this guy's always going to be constantly full of surprises and you just always have to be ready just in <laughs> case he's got like another record, yeah. you know, in the can. And that's why like my friends and stuff love me and hate me so much too. It's like, my life is just absolute chaos with everything I have going on. And I just love like living life to the absolute fullest. And I like doing that through music too. Cause like we were talking about earlier, music is just music and it, it's supposed to help people and stuff. So I don't really, I don't really relate to all of that like music industry stuff where it's like, Oh, you got to do this time limit. You got to take this here and market this, this way and make this like a machine where people listen on a Friday, you know, I'm like, dude, there's going to be another song Like we can just release this. Like, I love that stuff because I love, I like being a random guy because I like keeping things fun because we only live once, you know. So I like doing that for other people too. So I think I think you're right there, and I I love that about my following too. Is like they never have an issue with it, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, the because <laughs> I all that I mean I understand like why the industry does all that stuff to uh, of course yeah, that's record, the thing too. Like, like I'm never yeah. But a lot of times, <clears throat> sometimes or a lot of times, I'll just be like, oh my gosh, we're 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 just in the process for the process's sake versus like the art's sake. The, that whatever the, the corner of commerce and art sometimes is a very. And uh, is it reciprocated? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like they do all that for a record and you listen to the record and it's like subpar and you're, it took six months to release it. And to me, it's, I, if I were to, do, that's the thing too, with, with my music, if I were to ever, I think with this studio album, we're going to try to do this, but we're going to take a little bit of time because the writing on it means a lot more to me. But um, if I ever have like a collection of songs that I want to call an album and I want to like really blow it, blow it up. Um, I would, I would probably take those uh, steps and make sure like to be methodic about it and, and release it with a single and do everything like how it's designed to be done, like the old ways, you know, but um, there's a, there's a, thing in me where like i always feel like i'm gonna have another song so i just kind of want to get the one in front of me out but also there's another thing that i want to respect the music industry and how it's always been run i want to respect the artists around me that's another thing that's terrifying to me i don't want artists who are doing it that way to think that i'm disrespecting them by just being like yeah whatever let's shoot from the hip see what happens you know right well I, I, again i think it it all stemmed from just like the means you had at the time right I mean, it's not like you, Yeah, it's all. you're not like a, an industry plant who <laughs> had like a, you know, a, a major deal, you know, just the endless budget and then decided to cut an acoustic record to have this, you know, organic following. It kind of just happened that way because out of necessity, right? Organically, yeah, exactly. Because I was working so much and I, I still to this day work so much that like people think it's like part of my big plan, you know, but honestly, it's just like. I'm off on the weekends. I have weird time slots where I'm at work, where I'm not at work, where I'm on duty. So it, it looks like spon spontaneous to them, but 
But to me, it's just the only time I'm able to do the stuff literally, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. You, you mentioned how, you know, you, you, you're writing constantly. You're always, you always got that bug going. Um, but has there been like a, I don't know, like a, a watershed moment or a watershed song for you specifically where you thought like, Oh, th- I've gotten like, somehow this is, I've gotten so much better, you know, and I can point to this song specifically. Is it, has there been any moments like that where you kind of go, Oh shit. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I'm better now than I was, you know, a year ago. And I can specifically point to this moment. Is there anything like that? Of course. Yeah. This whole last year has felt like that from like June last year to now the writing that I've been doing, which I hate to say this because sometimes artists say this and they're, they're talking out of their butt. And, uh, but I've actually practiced and written so much that I remember when I wrote Oklahoma city last year, um, <clears throat> that was that moment for me where I was like, Oh my goodness, I think my writing's getting better. So I just kept going, kept going. And some of the songs that are on the, the upcoming album, they're like, in my in my eyes, like sitting around fires with all my friends and stuff, singing them those songs, they're they're pretty dang. They're a lot better than I was, and it's like it's a really prideful thing for me because my friends, my guitar playing friends and stuff, they'll look at me and be like, "Damn man, way to like way to get better at your craft, way to like really hone in on that." And I didn't stop because I I like I kind of fed off the critiques of like the four chord thing or like the, the simple word thing, you know. And I was like, you know what, screw it, let's just keep going until until it sounds better so oklahoma city will probably be that song and i wrote a song called waterwell recently um and it like the writing on it just it i I love it so much and so i'll probably refer back to that 20 years from now and be like that's the moment i think i wanted to do music forever you know right yeah hopefully i don't know if podcasts will be still a thing in 20 years but if they're if it is we'll have it (laughs) i hope so uh it's interesting you you say oklahoma city because um, going through your catalog, that's where I would have pinpointed there being a shift as well. Cause I think that's like, you can just tell that there's, um, like that moment in, on Oklahoma city, that song specifically feels very much, um, where there's still those rough edges, but it's like nece- necessarily rough edges like that. Cause that's your style, but it feels like a very refined <clears throat> song. It was. That was a song that I sat down for two weeks and I, I, I went over every single word every single time and I was like, there's no way in hell someone can this song and say, no, that kid doesn't deserve it. You know what I mean? That, and, um, <clears throat> and it wasn't an arrogant thing that people love it or anything, but I had tried my hardest on the right thing for that. And it worked out really well. You know, like, it, obviously people know because that's a song that like, I hear a lot from the people that are like, gets them through a lot so oklahoma city that's probably that moment now i can't to this day i'll sing that song every time i have my guitar just because it's so it means so much to me like a grandpa i'm from and everything and it's just it's beautiful so that's it for me yeah so obviously one of the things that people are drawn to you as far as like what they resonate with these songs is they feel very very much as you mentioned a minute ago, like that earnestness of uh, small town America, specifically, obviously for you, Oklahoma, but you know, sometimes rural America is rural America, no matter where you're from. Um, oh yeah. Easy. Yeah. Is that where like, you know, a lot of these, I know like a lot of songs are that first person kind of thing for you, but you know, you still have these character songs. You still have these like narratives. 
you've, you've gotten some of these murder ballads in there. Um, do you feel like, you know, you're all like, you're drawing from these little, I don't know, Oklahoma characters that you've come across or, uh, people you knew in school back in the day or anything like that. What's, what's kind of like, whenever you, you draw from the most, do you feel? I want to become, so not yet. I don't think, I don't think I'm as talented. I don't think I'm that talented yet. I think I have a long way to go to where I can like really build narratives and make them like resonate with people. But that's why I've been writing so many like story songs. Cause I really want to get like that Evan Felker. I don't know if you know who that is, but the lead singer of Turnpike Troubadours and the mm-hmm. bird hunters, he, he has these characters in that song that give me goosebumps every time, but they're just like, it sounds like they're in his life. Like they sound like they're his friends. And, uh, I want to get to the point where I can like John Prine, for instance, obviously he was just so, so, so good at like making these characters up and making songs not be about himself, but they still just sounded like they're about himself. So that's what I'm working on now is just to be a all around songwriter and write songs that mean something to me. And also songs that like people are like, damn, where did this guy pull this story from? You know? Right. Well, I mean like the, and the storytelling song. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying paying attention, I think helps a lot too. Like I've really slowed down lately and I started paying attention a lot more to everyone around me and like the little mannerisms and the little things about like sitting around fires or running around Oklahoma fields, barefoot, you know, stuff like that. I've really been just like feeling everything and smelling everything out and being like, that's what I'm going to write about, you know? So it's just, it's fun. It's like a fun puzzle. Like I said earlier. Yeah. Like getting those kind of those scene setters, right. For those characters. Yeah. Because that's how, like, Deanne was, like, in Snow, the song Snow, uh, people love that song because it's so, like, the imagery in it, it's just crazy, and that's, I've only heard that from other people, I don't think that myself, but uh, I want to get back to that realm where the imagery is what matters the most, like, what you're looking at, not, not like, the, not how catchy it is, not the melody or anything, I want the imagery of these songs to be, like, you're literally there, you know? Right. You mentioned Bird Hunters, as far as, you know, with turnpike uh that very much is like you're able to like pinpoint those characters and be like oh those are real people but so much of that song is the setting so much of the setting in uh the house fire by turnpike is the setting you know oh my goodness yeah i mean oh grounded you know made up yeah but they're, they're obviously real in his life at some point somewhere somehow in a book or whatever like they're just so real. Like, you know, those people in your own personal life. <clears throat> right. You know, one of the things that I, uh, going back to one of the YouTube videos, I remember you saying, uh, I think it was, uh, let me see if I wrote it down here. Um, on cold damn vampires, like before you go in, you talk about how, you know, your dad called you and said, you know, you got to use the F word so much, that kind of thing. And then like your buddies called and said, is everything all right? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's something that's really, really funny because I feel like that's something, a phase that every songwriter goes through, you know, where, Oh yeah. Not everything is, is, is the truth. Um, how many of those conversations have you had with friends and family or like, have you had to have those, like, you know, not everything I write is going to be dire entry. Exactly. It gets so weird too, because I feel like it's different if you're just like some kid singing around a fire and you're like singing about death, you know, and no one really knows who you are or whatever. But like with a following and everything, if I'm trying to like be an artist, um, I feel like it does get really weird because like you have people in your life that you love and care about, or like maybe ladies or like your freaking dad, how I said, or like whatever. 
and you're singing like love songs and you're, or you're singing like murder songs or you're singing songs about like addiction and stuff. And people, people will like hit you up and be like, is this like a real, like my buddy Tyler, he'll call me all the time. Like, Hey, is this one real or, uh, is this one real? Are you being an artist? And I'm like <laughs> real or he'll ask me stuff like that all the time. And it's just so funny because being a songwriter is so fun. Cause you can literally just, make up whatever you want whenever you want and make it interesting and creative and it's just like the only job or occupation you can do that in you know besides being an author of course but you know yeah well that's something that's i've had conversations with various songwriters as far as like where you know for some reason like we always believe the art the the songwriter the as the narrator as like being always consistently the the good guy you know, because they kind of control the narrative. Uh, I And I've had this conversation with BJ Barham where, you know, everyone thinks that like, you know, I hope he breaks your heart. She's like the most awful person in the world for breaking his heart. And like, we never like really think about it on the other way of like, well, you know, like uh, he could be the bad guy in you, the song, guys. You don't, you don't like in, in like, for instance, in snow, when I'm like uh, the night you dumped out all the liquor I bought, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, for some reason in that song, everyone thinks I'm just like this freaking uh, Zebulon poet, you know, freaking lover boy. And But in reality, like in my own real life, when I was 18, like a girl actually dumped liquor out at a bar one time because I was way too drunk, you know, and I was the bad guy in that song, you know. Um, but Snow is such a pretty song that people don't even think about it, you know. It's so fun. It's so weird being a songwriter. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the same thing with like Good Lord Lori. Um we always kind of think, man, Lori broke his heart in that song. And it's like, no, he's probably like kind of being an asshole and he probably ruined it. For yeah. some reason. You know, like there's, yeah. there's always that other perspective, but it's, it's interesting how, you know, obviously the person who's writing the song, we always just believe him as like, you know, that's the gospel truth. And sometimes it's like, yeah, well, you know, and I think like a lot of songwriters are self-aware of that, but it's always the audience who kind of sometimes forgets about that part. Yeah. And it's, it's wild to be in those shoes, but that's another thing though. Like life, I think being a songwriter is a really beautiful thing because you get to reflect as a songwriter, you get to reflect on all those things in the person, like the things that you've done or that have happened. And you can share those with other people kind of like as that grandpa who's like, Hey, I've been through this. You're not alone. Or I've been through this. Here's how you don't do it. You know, it's, it's really cool. I want to break one more time to talk about our pals over at Desert Door and offer up a quick Thomas Mooney's cocktail minute. As I've said probably a hundred times by now, by no means am I a seasoned mixologist or bartender, but these have been some of my Desert Door go-tos. For starters, let's just go with the tried and true ranch water. Pop the top off the Topo Chico, take a good swig, now pour in some Desert Door, and top it off by throwing in a few lime wedges. Never fails. This one, it's so simple it probably doesn't even count, but again, pretty foolproof. Do the exact same thing, but get you a Mexican Coca-Cola. I guess you can go with a regular one, but you're really cutting yourself short if you don't opt for the Mexican import variety. All right, here's the changeup you've been waiting for, Desert Door Sangria. This one is prime for when you have company coming over and you aren't wanting to just be over there making six different drinks at a time. What you'll need is some Desert Door, 
obviously, a bottle of red wine, honey, boiling water, apple cider, apple cider vinegar, some cinnamon sticks, a couple of apples, and some thyme sprigs. I know, that may sound intimidating, but trust me, it's worth the prep, and honestly, it's pretty easy. For starters, get you a punch bowl, add that honey, those cinnamon sticks, and the boiling water together. Now, you're going to want to stir that all up and let it cool down for about an hour or so. Remember, patience is a virtue. Once that's done, add some desert door and stir vigorously. Now add the wine, the cider, and the vinegar, and continue stirring until it's equally mixed. Now slice those apples up and toss them in. Put in those thyme sprigs as well. Now you can pour that over some ice and you have a mighty fine sangria. Chef's kiss. Anyway, those have been some of my favorite go-tos as of late. And remember, Desert Door is as versatile as vodka and more refined, smooth, complex, and intriguing than tequila. It's rich and balanced, and whether you decide to keep it simple or want to experiment, Desert Door is that perfect Texas spirit. There's plenty more recipes over at DesertDoor.com as well. Check out the show notes for a link. All right, let's get back to the episode. You've mentioned, obviously, how, you know, like the origins of those first records, you, you're cutting records with with buddies and stuff. Um, you know, you, you just released the, the EP, I guess, last year, and then you guys released the uh, Live at Studio A recordings that you did with Dave Cobb. Um, how, how, how was that? So was that drastically different for you? Or, like, what was, what's it been like, I guess, like, you know, going into a quote-unquote professional studio where, you know, all these fucking crazy amazing songs have been cut in the history of these places. Um, what's What's been like that approach for you? Well, first of all, it's all been just so chaotic because being in the Navy and having to deal logistically with, like, recording the freaking EP that way and having to record with Cobb and, like, get to national stuff, it was just crazy, first of all. And second of all, like... <clears throat> I almost feel like my, my chops aren't there yet to be in the, honestly, I feel like me always being this like shoot from the hips kind of guy is my own personal subconscious fear that I'm not good enough to be in a studio yet. Like I kind of want to, I kind of want to make my songs good enough to even be in a studio, you know, like even put the effort into it, you know? So it was like, it was like going to record those records and working with these amazing producers and like, you know, when you doubt yourself, you like look down and look at the producer and you're like, why is this guy working on this song? You know, like he, he doesn't have time for this kind of like that. But dude, it was the most amazing experience. Like I felt so blessed and lucky to just be this podunk Oki boy, just freaking running around with these, these grade A, these grade A guys. And it was just so, so interesting. I never thought in a million years, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, it's so interesting right there because I think it's, you, you, I don't know. I'm assuming like anyone who becomes a, an artist, you kind of always want to work with these people who have worked with some of your heroes, right? You want to of course. get in these places. And then like, <laughs> you're almost going like, Oh shit, do I belong here? It's the, uh, the old, um, I can't even think what it's called. Um, oh, fuck. I can't remember what it's called. You're not ready. As you were saying right there, you're not, you feel like you're um, 
not ready for it. And you're just like, Oh, can, can we do this later? And yeah, can I do this in three or four years when I got <laughs> freaking uh, hurt by freaking Travis Redner or whatever? And but like, not really. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like I've I've always just been waiting on that song that I'm like, oh, this is the one that I need to go. But well, like boys down in Texas and stuff, they think I'm absolutely batshit crazy because they're like, I told like working with Cobb and stuff. They're like, dude, you work with Dave Cobb? Like, that's insane. And I don't look at it like that. So everyone just always thinks I'm just nuts because I'm not like a nerd about that stuff. I'm not like pining to work with anybody. I don't like really want to, I don't have like these actual, like if I don't work with this specific person, I, I'm not successful or whatever. I'm seriously just that kid who's writing music and just like seeing what happens, you know, like there's not really anyone in my life where I would, I would die to work with or play with. And these guys who were down to Texas and stuff, they like would die to work with Cobb, you know? And it's, I feel like almost like, they gave it to the wrong guy because I'm pretty pretty content in most situations. Like I don't need anything fancy. I don't need anything crazy. But here I am, like getting to do all this like crazy, amazing stuff that I'm so thankful for. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What I was looking for right. is imposter syndrome. I think like a lot of us can have that feeling of like there it is. Man, yeah, no. that's the perfect way to. It's a perfect way to explain it. Yeah. Well, speaking of you know place that is a. Uh, a little bit bigger and kind of like just one of those things everyone fucking knows. And it's far from the Oklahoma back porch, grand old Opry. You know, you played that about a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) What's it like? Take me me to like, you know, how that even, what, what's it like going to the grand old Opry and you're playing and like, take me through like the first step of that day. That's imposter syndrome syndrome right there. I freaking, well, we got, we were we were celebratory because I was playing the opera. It probably shouldn't have been so celebratory until after. But the night before, we got lost in the opera land. So I was like, "This is a good start." And so we wake up. I wake up. I got like twenty people there because my whole family was there. So it was just chaos from the jump. And everyone's like walking around Nashville. We're all like being tourists and stuff. And I'm like, "Then I'm walking around Nashville right now, and I got to play the opera in four hours. What am I doing?" And uh, I just felt like an out of body experience. And I got there and everyone was so kind and like, they literally didn't even let me practice my own songs, but in a good way, they're just so good. You can just play them and they play behind you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, they did let me practice them, but it was like two minutes, but like on stage, off stage, have fun. And I'm like, eh, alrighty, let's do it. <laughs> Shoot off the hip. That's what it is. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Shoot from the hip, man. I thought I'm, I'm telling you, that's how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Cause it seemed to work so far. <laughs> yeah. That's where, that's whenever you realize, you know, like all those guys are like, Oh shit, these are like professionals. They don't even have to play like beforehand. They're just reading it and they just know exactly what's going what exactly. to, they just hear it and they're like, Oh, okay. This is beautiful. Awesome. I'll do this. Just so crazy. <laughs> yeah. I wonder like, obviously you're going to be cutting a record pretty soon or you're in the process of, uh, somewhere in the middle of that, whatever it is. Um, you know, the, have you, has it been one of those things where like, obviously it's one thing to explain to your buddies, like, Hey, can we, this is the feeling of what I want on here. Is it different? Like explaining it to, you know, quote unquote professionals where you're like, I want something that feels like insert like a reference here. Is is that? Yeah. I got a really, I got to really like learn how to talk to because I, like I said, I do have that like weird imposter thing where like, I don't feel like I deserve to be in rooms with like, professionals. 
So like when someone does something that I kind of don't like, but they're a professional, you know, so I'm not going to say anything to them. I really got to get over that to where I'm like, Hey, no. Cause I know like I've produced, I like basically produced the whole thing in my notebook. I know exactly where I want each sound to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I know for a fact, I'm going to have to kind of uh, get my guts up when I, when I go record it, because I, I'm going to be really, really picky about like where the instrumentation is and all that. But yeah, it is, it's like a huge, it's a huge difference. Cause your buddies, you can be like, Hey dude, fuck off. Like play it here. Like you dumb idiot you know like you're so bad but professionally you can't really walk in there oh that's why i was nervous with cogs i just spent so much like we recorded so many songs just like drunk and freaking stupid and laughing our asses off and stuff i went in there with Cobb, and it was all freaking game game day stuff i was like oh all right yeah and of course like it was he's just been the as far as like you know working with with the guys and girls who have been uh you know, really forming American and country music as of late. And I mean, it's Dave Cobb, right? Like the Isbels and the Whiskey Myerses and the uh, Sturgills and, and so on. I mean, the guy's got a track record. Oh, yeah. It's just insane. Does he, uh, does, he wear, insane. does he wear the denim jacket no matter what? Or is he? <laughs> cause I he, was, like- he, was wearing an, he was wearing an Aztec jacket when I was there. He was getting a little festive. <laughs> Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was like white and had patterns on it. I was like, all right. I never, I'll never forget it. <laughs> I think like all of his like uh, promo photos are him in a denim jacket. And I just always like picture him doing everything in the <laughs> denim jacket now, just because like, <laughs> that's the outfit. Dude, he goes home and he's cooking dinner just in the denim jacket. He goes to sleep, denim jacket. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> I know it's clearly not the case, but that's what's always funny about promo photos. You know, you get dressed up real super nice and then, for me, like, I'm always like, man, those guys, like, that's what they just probably look at, look like no matter what, you know, they're just going to oh, yeah. the supermarket. <laughs> and, uh, it's so, yeah, it's so whatever. weird to think about it. Like a, like a huge artist, just like on their back legs, like a like, grocery store or whatever. Yeah. Um, obviously as you mentioned a minute ago, and we've been talking this whole time about really that busy schedule, you know, being in the Navy, just having like these weird hours, um, that means like you've not been playing that many shows out in front of live crowds. You've not really, really gone on like, you know, a, a month tour or something like that. Is that something that like, yeah. that's like what you're more than anything else. You're just kind of anticipating going forward. Exactly. I'm really excited to play that. Like, I feel like I'm itching for it to get to play that show in North Carolina on the second. But, um, man, I don't know how I feel about touring yet. I haven't, I haven't, I want to go on one and just see how I feel about it. Go on like a, a month run, like you said. And then the only thing I really want to do, like I'm not Bob Dylan, obviously, but Bob Dylan is like a recording artist for like a long time. He never toured. I don't think he didn't tour for like a long time. Just because he was a recording artist. And I'm nowhere near the size nor talent of him, but I'm just saying like those exist. So I was thinking about just coming back to Oklahoma for a while and freaking writing music you know, and write music and recording it and calling it good. But then again, like all these people have been anticipating me going on tour and playing the music they've been playing for the last two years live. So I'm, I'm so stoked for that. Yeah. What are you thinking as far as like that show? What do you want that to be? Are you wanting it to be more of the, the theater show or like, you know, small, small bar kind of intimate. I, well, I mean, I wanted to be like theaters, man. But like, I played a show in Pine with like 600 people and they were all screaming my lyrics. And I want to feel that again. Cause that was just incredible. 
and now I'm a little bit better. So I feel like it would be just like 10 times more rowdy, but I don't know if people, I know when Childers played at the Paramount in Seattle, we were screaming his lyrics, but no one else was. Everyone was kind of just listening. And I'm like, <laughs> this freaking Tyler Childers, what are y'all doing? Yeah. And, uh, it was cool. The, so I live in Lubbock. But yeah, I do. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I do plan on going on a tour eventually just to see how I feel about it. But going back to Oklahoma would work just fine with me too. Well, that's the, if you go back to Oklahoma and you just, you know, play little small, uh, song <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Run like around that. the bars. Just Hell yeah. do that kind of thing. Just the, the small bars and just never tell anyone where you're going to play at. Just kind of like five <laughs> minutes beforehand. Hey guys, I'm going to be playing out, whatever pop, pop up shows. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. Dude, that'd, be that'd be so sick. What I was going to say though, is like, I live in Lubbock and, um, whenever Childers released purgatory of all places, his like quote unquote, like first CD release show was in Amarillo. And so me and one of my buddies drove up there and obviously saw him, uh, at a, at a bar called Hoots pub. And, it was like obviously a great show, but like what, what I found so fascinating was that a, like all these kids knew those songs. Um, I wasn't like, sometimes Amarillo can be hit or miss on stuff like that. But it was like, as I described it to one of my friends, it was like a lot of these kids are acting like this is the first time they've ever seen music. And there's something really, really amazing about that. And I'm not like, you know, poking fun of them, but that's how like, uh, passionate they were about it. And that was really, really amazing because sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, people don't get it and they're they're out of bar to drink. But uh, that first children's show, I don't know if he's going to be coming back and playing. That's how. That's how. Pine, yeah, I do know. That's that's how Pineville felt. It was like no one had ever heard anyone say any words ever, because everyone was like screaming the entire time. It was just so the energy there was just absolutely. It was probably the best night of my life. I'll never forget it. Never forget it as long as I live. And they sent me like a flag and a shirt and everything. And those. Man, and like the mics went on and everything, but everyone still knew the words, so everyone was just singing as loud as they could in this alley, you know? And uh, I, I didn't have a microphone, but the concert went on for like an hour longer. <laughs> I was going to say about like you, you doing the, your YouTube videos, uh, you've had like the, what is it called? Like the, uh, the Bustin Bronco, the uh, Belton Bronco? The Belton Bronco, yeah, the yeah, yeah. sessions there. Um how have you liked doing that as far as like, you know, kind of, you know, where you're not the, the, the main focus, you're, you're bringing in other songwriters and just letting them play a song or two in the back of the Bronco. Dude, I love it. Like that's, uh, well, I was telling you about like, my videography earlier. Like I, I got the camera collection of a, of a freaking. I, I love video and I love production. I love editing videos, but I also love like, good music and i want people to know that i don't think my shit doesn't stink you know mm -hmm. i want people to know that like i i know that i don't deserve to be in the shoes that i'm in and, and if i have this platform i'm going to use it to like bring actual artists to the stage you know I mean, let let real talent be seen like like jonathan payton and abby that the last one we did they were like seriously some of the most beautiful people who had the most beautiful voices and i'm like why the hell why the hell am I big when these, these guys are just floating around? That's kind of why I do it. But they're also just a blast to freaking roll around, drinking some beers and busting out some music. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like what I've kind of envisioned right there is that part. It's like, yeah, the, Oh yeah. The, the, the ride along and like, you know, the session, that's cool. But you also get to just like hang out and talk about music and, you know, drink some beer around a campfire. 
it's sick. Yeah, it's so dope. And like they'll come out here and we'll all just like hang out. Honestly, you no. Know, like usually I stay at a hotel or whatever, but there's like a fire pit usually everywhere. So we're just all like kind of kick it, just ride around and talk about music, like you said, from all over. It's just it's a blast. Yeah, one one of the things I noticed in that video is that you got like a lot of uh, air fresheners hanging from your <laughs> your rearview mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just because it smells so bad in there. But yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I just I never have the I never have the gully to freaking take take them off when I get new ones. <laughs> that's the first thing I noticed when I was watching. I was like, shit, man, he's got like you're like twenty five. Damn, bro, <laughs> how many trees do you need, bro? That's crazy. But yeah. um... Yeah, it's been real, real great talking with you this afternoon. Thanks so much for taking some time. It's been perfect, brother. I really appreciate you coming. I, uh, I'm excited to, excited to hear it. All right, that is it for this one with Zach Bryan. Be sure to check out our presenting partners, Desert Door and the Blue Light Live. I don't know, maybe we can get Zach at the Blue Light sometime. There's a thought for you. Again, subscribe if you haven't just yet. Check out the Patreon, the merch store, and so on. And yeah, I'll see y'all later this week for another episode.